to tell me a story. I'm Amanda Attaway. This is the podcast that shares your creativity with the world. A story can be told in many ways, through words, such as short stories and poetry, and the lyrics of a tune. Just as words of a page can tell a story, so can music, art, and dance. For our podcast, since we are just audio at the moment, I will be sharing music and stories sent in to me by fans and family and friends. I will also be sharing stories that may have been made to a publisher but not published, and ones that were possibly published but are out of print or unknown. It's my way of saluting all of the hard work and the talent out there in this world. Why did I create this podcast? I created this podcast because the world needs more positivity and creativity at this time. As a child that struggled with grammar and coding, I still had creative stories I wanted to share with my family, and they were always very supportive in listening to them. Many times, I wasn't confident to share them with friends in fear of rejection and harassment. When I became a teacher, my focus became on reading, where I realized that I wasn't alone and that many people, young and old, wanted to express themselves. But fear, ridicule, and rejection, and failure always got in the way. Just having to be heard sometimes is enough to build confidence and to keep on trying. For me, just this first step of creating this first episode is kind of scary. But I'm up to the challenge. There are others who have created and they've lost their their work has been lost in an ocean of other creators never airing and feeling that feeling that they wonder if they should continue. You should. And for those who do and do not air, please keep that passion alive. Not just to have an outlet for emotional peace. With all the tragedy and negativity we see in the world at the moment, we need peace. Submissions can be made at willyoutellmeastory at gmail.com. Comments can also be turned in here um, as I set up a website. All I ask is that they are positive, and when giving um, advice to others, be kind. No cruel comments will be read on the air or allowed. Remember, how would it feel if done to you? I want this to be a safe space for everyone. So with further ado, let's get started with our first episode of Let Me Tell You a Story. So on our first episode of Let Me Tell You a Story, I'm going to start off with a story that I am writing. And this story is actually a story about my dog, Tucker. Tucker was a rescue. And Tucker has a little interesting quirk that turns people off on him. And that is he vomits because he has a sensitive stomach. He's gone to the vet. They can't find anything else wrong with him. But he's such a nervous dog that if he goes outside and drinks water and runs around and comes back in, he just vomits it all back up. And so this kind of is a turnoff for people that meet him. And it got me to thinking, 
what would it be like to travel from family to family with this condition? Um, what would that journey be like? And so I decided to write this story on Tucker. And so um, the title is a work in progress. Um, and I'm open to suggestions. But the title is called What I Discovered from a Narcissistic Cat from the Words of a Canine, Tucker Attaway. <laughs> it's a very long title. And I know I need to shorten it, but that's kind of where I'm at on the title. So with further ado, I'm going to read you a, a, a clip from my book. And this is uh, chapter one. And then I'm going to go further down and, and read a part about one of the characters in the book, which is my real cat, Ginger. So chapter one. The story I'm about to tell you is about what I learned from the servitude enslavement of a narcissistic cat. The day I arrived at Attaway Manor, I felt was a glorious day. Yes, this would be my final destination, my long-at-last home. I was quite certain. For every doorstep I entered represented a moment of hope, and at last a family to love me for who I truly am. I have always been a nervous sort. My very own shadow has always seemed to startle me, the creaks and bumps in the night, the bangs of pots and pans, the sheer drop of a spoon, has always made me jump on a dime and run for the hills. Now to my other foster families, this was not an issue, simply a small quirk that they felt that they could amend. Many were very understandable to my timid ways and clumsiness as I retreated away from the dangers of a broom smacking the wooden floor, only to destroy Grandma's special vase as I ran out the door. Others were very sympathetic when, as my new foster fur kin tried to romp and play with me, I would bolt under the table, wailing my retreat call, only to knock over a glass of Uncle Mike's favorite soda onto Aunt Jessica's favorite white carpet. Nor did they mind my feeble bladder, which would expel urine at any sign of commotion. No, these idiosyncrasies did not stop them from loving and having me, not at all. The big deal-breaker the major inconvenience, the hindrance in their lives, was the fact that every time my nerves got the best of me, or when I became excited, and most certainly, when I would drink any sort of water, I would spew on the ground whatever was in my stomach, even if the only thing was digested water. At first, my previous guardians would try techniques such as a small, soft kibble, or withholding water and offering ice. I tried. I really tried to stop it from happening. On many occasions, I would even lap it back up in hopes they wouldn't notice. But they always somehow knew by the slippery texture on the floor or stain on the carpet. On one occasion, one of my precious guardians slipped on the gelatinous pool of sludge and broke their toe. I had a series of vet checkups in which x-rays and blood work were done, but finding no diagnosis. Doctors would offer the advice to my masters. Just be patient. He'll calm down and offer him some more exercise to relax his mind. I never calmed down. I have never been relaxed. And after a while, the words I fear, this may not be the best fit for him, would be spoken. I suppose humans assume that we don't understand the English language simply because we can't speak. But when you are raised around a dialect all your life, you tend to learn to decode it. Once again, I would find myself in a shelter or in a kennel under other arrangements until they could be met. And this is where I was on the day I heard of new arrangements being made for my care. Alamanda has always been good with animals, Marissa. I'm sure she could help him and give him a loving home, Casey responded. Maybe, 
but he has been around but has he he's never been around chickens and what about the cat answered marissa on in this moment i thought to myself a cat i have never seen a cat before but surely it can't be that bad marissa continued you know how ginger treats other animals and people alike she is extremely horrible i can't understand what Amal- alamanda sees in her but that's the thing marissa explained casey alamanda has always adopted animals others can't see the potential in and look how happy they are i see it in tucker he is a wonderful dog aside from his tummy issue but dad says we simply can't keep him we must try i just know if he goes to a shelter he is at the risk of being put down or worse someone will become angry and hurt him he deserves the best chance i could hear the distress in her voice i was well aware of the conversation that occurred earlier that morning about transporting me to a shelter i felt in that moment that maybe this elamanda could be the answer to my prayers i wasn't sure what a chicon was and so what if there was a scary cat i could make friends i am quite a friendly sort when i'm not running for my life she will know i mean no harm this could work i would warm up to this human she would take me home to this this time i would make it right her reputation was known for being the most patient with animals i could make this work all right guys so that is the an excerpt of chapter 1 um i hope you guys will uh mail in and let me know what you think of this chapter and i'm actually going to uh fast forward down to another chapter that i'm working on and this is uh going to be a uh, chapter 2 of of uh the same story so without further ado without further ado sorry about that here is chapter 2 Actually this is going to be chapter 3. Um I forgot that I uh went I had it in chapter 2 and I decided to add a little bit more detail. So this is actually going to be chapter 3 of this part. So without further ado, chapter 3 about one of the main characters, Ginger. Ginger was a cruel sort. Her reputation was far and vast across Attaway Manor. She was known to show no mercy to any of man's creatures. There were rumors that Ginger once pulled the legs off of a grasshopper and rather than put the poor creature out of his misery, dropped him in the coop of the cluck bunch. Of course, the bunch praised her for her generosity, but to Ginger, it was merely for entertainment. It was also well known that Ginger entrusted attacks upon others just to be in her presence. For the canines, this was 5 kibbles a day of their very best food. right when their guardian poured it into a bowl for the cluck bunch one cracked egg open ready to devour and the feather from the prettiest hen to play with lola of course was void of any tacks as ginger feared her more than she feared herself not that she would ever admit it lola was a gray ring-necked dove with an attitude of a mobster her favorite sport was to roost up on the heads of humans Many would try to train her to sit on their shoulders or her arms, but Lola would not concede. She would squawk throughout the home with a maddening attitude. 
Ginger thought she would be an easy free meal. She tried to grab Lola one day while she was pecking in the sunroom at Fly's. Lola sprung up on Ginger, head like, like a samurai, and pecked Ginger between her nostrils. Ginger let out a deafening shriek and scurried out the entrance. As the blood started to pull down her nose, this would be the last time Ginger would attempt to eat Lola, and how Lola got her name. The one that is not for dinner. For Lily, the tax included the best laying places in the house, most of her food, and never to be in Ginger's presence. To meet Ginger was like being in Hitler or Bloody Mary's presence. Oh, great, another mongrel in my presence, she replied. What, pray tell, are you called? My name's Tucker. How are you? Want to be my friend? I said. This response did not amuse Ginger. Oh, I don't do friends, especially with dogs. I run the house, and you are a mere pawn to me. Now come here, my clothes are dull, she groaned. No, thank you, I said politely. I don't... I, I think that would hurt. You will stay while I sharpen my claws, you servant, Ginger would bellow. For if you don't, I shall tip over your water bowl, and the lord of the manor shall blame it on you, mongrel. One must appreciate why Ginger chose to converse this way. My new guardian, Alamanda, is somewhat of a Britflix fan and history enthusiast. There came a time when she was binging on history series about the English monarch. Ginger grew in fascination over the rulers and how they could treat their subjects. Her thirst for power grew, and she soon recognized her destiny to be the most ruthless, feared leader of the society. She would be admired and have control throughout the Attaway home. What Pebbles got from this series was her wish to be adored. No change of dialect or costumes, just goodies. Princesses always get what they want, Pebbles would reply. Pebbles was quite accurate in believing this motto. With a flicker of her paw and a soft gesture of her eyes, she has always been able to get people to marvel at her. Her only vulnerability, however, is food. Pebbles has always had an appetite for people food. Others found it fascinating how Pebbles can even eat off a fork. Her tastes include salads, ice cubes, and shredded chicken. Pebbles liked to also believe herself the protector of the house. This was her home. They were her humans, and therefore, princess or not, she must protect it. After all, princesses can also protect their lands. Look at Princess Leia and Merida, she would mention. Any sound that would occur, Pebbles would give her a battle cry. I am here! I am severe! Growl! Ginger would often knock on the wall to get Pebbles yapping all the time to the top of her lungs. This entertained her. She knew this annoyed her guardians, and she never called them her owners or family, for to her, they were merely her keepers. All right, and that's a snippet of Chapter 3. I hope you guys enjoyed my story. We're going to go on to our next story now. Um, this story here is actually a story that was sent to me um, from a family member. So this story is from um, one of our viewers named Blake. When I was two, I was making brownies with my mom. My mom got a call, so I waited for the brownies to finish. I heard the timer dinging. I opened the oven without any supervision. 
Next, I tried to get the brownies, but they were too hot. I finally got the tray, but it was so hot I dropped it. Then the oven door slammed on my ring finger. I didn't cry, though, though it hurt, but I went outside to see my mom on the phone. I walked up to her and showed her my ring finger. She was in complete shock. I remember she said, my poor baby. My dad was at work, so I really didn't have anyone else to go to. We drove to the children's hospital, and we went inside. Obviously, I was crying now, and, and, and as she was signing me in. And we waited and waited and waited until lastly, I went into the doctor's office, and he observed the finger and told my mom that I needed stitches. We drove home about 12 o'clock. My dad was home, and mom told him what happened. He was really mad at my mom. He said, why didn't you, why did you step away to answer the call? And that's all. I hope you enjoyed. <laughs> Thank you, Blake, for sharing that story. That was super cute. And that's what this podcast is about, sharing any kinds of stories you guys want to share as long as they are kid-friendly. Um, and, you know, I can understand dad being mad, but at the same time, as a parent myself, um, you know, having to step away sometimes happens. You know, we're not perfect. Um, you know, incidents happen, whether it's with pets or, or with uh, somebody, you know, ringing the doorbell. So, you know, he was probably mad temporarily, but he probably wasn't mad permanently, so I wouldn't worry about it. All right, so let's look at our next story. Because this is a new podcast, I only have a handful of submissions um, that were given to me. Um, and so I'm hoping as the email um, opens up and that people will be submitting more. Um, some of these come from family, friends. Sometimes I have some that uh, students possibly want to share. But again, this podcast is also going to be about stories I might find in an editorial that somebody shared with a newspaper or a magazine or uh, written books that were published or in print, some that are not in print. And so the one I have today uh, is a story that when I was little, I loved reading this story, and you don't see it in print anymore. And the people that wrote this story were Robin James and Stephen Cosgrove. And it was from like a book club called a Seren Serendipity Book, Serendipity Books, I guess is what it was. Um, the price on the book was $1.95 back then, but this is an older book. I mean, this book was 1987, just so you know. And so the title of this book is called Mimily. And it has a dedication in it uh, from Stephen. And it says, Dedicated to the one and only Emily, pronounced Mimily, one of a kind in the land of duplication. There was, there was a land, a marvelous sweet-smelling land called the Jasmine Jungle. A land brimming with all the mystery of life and filled with the the, the raucous sounds of all the creatures who live within. It was here that baby leopard leaped. It was here that elephants of all sizes spritzed and sprayed the jungle with fine, watery mist, following rainbows to dance from a sunbeam to sunbeam. This was Jasmine Jungle. In the middle of this land was a meadow, and in this fragrant meadow was a small, knobby-kneed giraffe. Oh, let me read that. And this 
in this fragrant meadow was a small knobby knee gir- a small knobby knee giraffe was born called Mimily. Normally, this would not have been such a special event, but until Mimily was born, there was only two other giraffes in the jungle, Mimily's father and, of course, Mimily's mother. All the other creatures of the jungle gathered around and ooed and awed at the newborn baby. Mimily had a problem of sorts. She knew that she was a giraffe. There was no problem with that. She knew all about the dangers of the jungle from her mother, who had taught her well. Mimily's problem was that she didn't have anybody to play with who was her own size. One day she joined a bunch of bunnies in playing some silly forest games. She thought to herself, What fun! I just love to play tag. Soon the bunnies tagged her it, and she was off chasing the the elusive creatures all over the meadow. Mimily felt just like a regular bunny, only a lot taller than the rest. The game started innocently and then ended in disaster. One minute, Mimily was chasing all the bunnies. The next minute, she tripped on a root and uh, 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 tripped on a root that the others had jumped over. She flipped, she flopped, and she landed in a heap right on top of all the little bunnies. One by one, the bunnies popped up to their feet out of this jumble of a jungle until only one left in the pile of confused was Mimily. Gee whiz, Mimily, the bunnies cried. You could have hurt us that way. You have got to play with someone your own size. With that, the bunnies hopped away, leaving Mimily tangled and confused in the middle of the path. Well, she thought, I'll just have to find someone taller to play with. She struggled to her feet and galloped clumsily on her way in search of new friends and new games to play. Now, Mimily's only problem with with finding someone her own size was the fact that Mimily was still growing. Day by day, she was growing taller and taller. She tried to play with the lions, but they were too short and much too rough. She tried to play with the monkeys, but Mimily had trouble walking on the ground, let alone climbing a tree. Finally, Mimily befriended two zebras and an elephant who were playing a rousing game of hide-and-go-seek. They had no objection to letting Mimily play. For as you know, the more the merrier when you are playing hide-and-go-seek. Hide-and-go-seek. One of the zebras counted to ten while the other slipped away to hide. The elephant hid in the river with only his trunk sticking out like a reed. The other zebra hid in the brush where her stripes disguised her. Mimily dashed this way and lo- and that, looking for somewhere to hide. She tried to hide in the water with the elephants, but she was much too tall. And besides, she didn't have a trunk to breathe through. She tried to hide in the, br- the brush with the zebra, but her neck stuck out like a weed in the willows. Finally, she found a place to hide, at least she thought she was hiding. But when the other zebras finished counting to ten, he instantly spied Mimily behind a pile of rocks in the clearing. Just where can a very tall giraffe hide? Week after week, she hid here, she hid there. Every time she thought she was hidden, the other animals would see her gangly legs on her neck sticking out. Finally, the zebras and the, and the elephants sadly said, It's just not going to work, Mimily. You are just too tall. 
you have to find someone your own size. Maybe you should just play with the trees. Then, giggling, the three of them dashed deep into the jungle, leaving a sad memory all alone, with no one to play with. She searched high and low for someone her own size, but she could find no one. Finally, resolved that there was no one as tall as she was, Mimli stopped trying to play games with any of the other creatures in the forest. Week by week, Mimli grew and she became sadder and sadder. She was shy and embarrassed by her height, and whenever any of the other creatures walked by, she would turn her head, knowing that they had to look up just to look into her eyes. Mimli grew and grew, and she began to bow her neck and bend her knees, trying to desperately to make herself shorter. Everything she tried was to no avail. No matter how much she bowed her neck or bent her knees, she was still very tall indeed. Mimli was so embarrassed about de being tall that she began spending all her days hiding amidst the trees that grew at the edge of Jasmine Jungle. She would stand for hours munching on sweet leaves and twisting her ears so that the birds wouldn't build a nest in her head. But the birds would come anyway, twittering and giggling, while standing on Mimli's head. They would bend over and look her in the eyes and sing a silly song. Who can you see? Taller than a tree. It's Mimli. It's Mimli. Mimli would just shake her head, and the birds would, la would, would laughingly flutter away. One day, as Mimli was wrestling through the utmost branches of very tall trees, she was shocked nearly out of her wits by the appearance of another head looking back at her from another tree. She looked once, she looked twice, and sure enough, there was another giraffe, just as tall as she. Hello there, she said shyly. Do you have to hide in the trees too? The other giraffe laughed, the other giraffe laughed and laughed and walked over to Mimili's tree in a graceful sway notion. No, he said in a gentle rumble. I'm not hiding in the trees. I'm eating the sweet leaves that grow at the very top. My name is Herschel. Who are you? Mimily, she said as she stepped from behind the tree with her knees bent and her neck bowed. Herschel looked and laughed as Mimily walked in her awkward way. Why are you walking like that? I have to walk this way, Mimily said shyly. Otherwise, I would be much taller than the other creatures. But you're supposed to be taller than the other creatures, said Herschel. It is the way of nature. Some creatures are tall, and some are small. But all have their place in Jasmine Jungle. With the passage of time, Herschel taught Mimily that being tall is not bad, and that in nature, all creatures are special in their own way. Short is short. And tall is tall. You are what you are. And that is all. The end. I hope you enjoyed our stories today. If you would like to share your own story, you can email us at gmail. And I'm going to go ahead and give you guys our gmail address. It is willyoutellmeastory at gmail.com. And that is W-I-L-L, then the letter U, T-E-L-L-M-E-A-S-T-O-R-Y at gmail.com, all one word. So that's will you, the letter U, tell me a story at gmail.com. 
thank you for coming today. And see you next time, storytellers. Goodbye. Please tell me a story.